Welcome back to another episode of Lady You're Scaring Us. I'm Hillary. I'm Taylor. And Marisa again. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> We're loving it. Marisa, you're becoming a staple. We like it. Morgan, waiting on you to get back. I've got some good ones saved for you. Some of the Woo-hoo. classics. Working on some of the classics for Morgan. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's um she's doing a story for us. Yep, she's I getting am. her she's doing her research. Getting my shit together. Writing her notes. Oh really? What is it? Well you'll find out. Oh, it's a little trick. You pass. Did I pass? Okay, awesome. Today, I got a story for you and Taylor. And we're going to head <laughs> across the pond. Okay. We are going to talk about Daniel Gonzalez. Daniel Gonzalez was Damn, born... Damn, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> what are those? <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Daniel Gonzalez was born in Surrey, England, June 21st, 1980. He was raised in a good household as an only child, and he was educated at private school. His parents split up when he was six, and Daniel stayed mostly with his mom, Leslie. But he would... His dad was from Spain, and he would actually travel there often to spend time with his dad. <laughs> what a rough life this kid's got. I wish I, my dad lived in Spain. Yeah. Daniel made good grades in school, and he was known to be an expert chess player, but was also known to be a dark and troubled boy. His mom said that she can remember him as a baby bashing his head into the wall for no reason. Nice. Oh. Marisa, did your kids ever do anything as a baby that made you go, mm, <laughs> kind of made you worry <laughs> about what they might be like when they grow up? Not really. No. I definitely did some things that my parents were like, oh, Jesus. Like what? That's your kid. Um, I never crawled. I scooted. Oh, Nicholas did that. On my booty. My head was too big for my body, like most babies, but like an abnormal amount. And I would like headbutt the floor a lot because I couldn't keep my head up. Um, They called me the baby Grinch. Look up a picture of the baby Grinch. That's baby Taylor. Your parents called you that? Santa. Bye-bye. No, my siblings did. Oh, okay. Therefore, in order to take the torture, I just accepted it. Okay. I was also dropped off by the gypsies. So there's that. (laughs) I don't think you can say gypsy anymore. Well, cut it out then. (laughs) Um, at 16, he got in trouble for getting into an altercation with a bus driver over a bus fare. It was initially thought that Daniel hit the driver, but it turned out he'd bitten his ear. He Mike Tyson him. Oh my God. I don't think he bit it off, but he still fucking bit him. And that's not... And he was how old? 16. And that's not most okay. people's first reaction. Usually it is to hit somebody. Yeah. Bot your damn ear off. Yeah. And he admitted everything to the police and the police were just like, Daniel, don't... Daniel, don't, hey, do, don't that. do that again. Hey, man. <laughs> he ended up dropping out of college. So his mom got him a job at a bank. But it only lasted a few days. He started committing small crimes like theft and burglary, and then he started using drugs. His mom was having difficulties with him at home, and she even asked social services to get him into a foster home because she just couldn't control him. Mm-hmm. And he did end up going into a foster home and living with a couple when he was 17. But his mom was still very involved. It sounded like she still, you know, she just couldn't have him at home. He's a grown man. She can't control him. Mm -hmm. From the age of 17, Daniel required professional mental health care due to his psychological issues. He was hospitalized at 18 for self-harm and he was admitted to an inpatient psychiatric unit. But he was discharged before ever having a full assessment done. And this kind of became a regular thing. Something would happen. Daniel would go into the hospital, stay a little bit and then leave. Uh, he never really got like, you know, full treatment. And mm-hmm. during this time he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. The main problem was that there were no sort there's there was no sort of follow-up care. Mm-hmm. No doctors were keeping track of how he was doing, no social workers or social services making sure he was getting to his appointments or getting the care that he needs and so on and so forth. In April 2000, right before his 20th birthday, Daniel was arrested for burglary and street robbery. He was sent to a young offenders prison institution for 2 years and started receiving antipsychotics. But a doctor there felt like he was just being manipulative and just trying to get his sentence reduced. So he was like, this dude's just fucking Mm -hmm. playing. He was assessed by the medical team and they claimed to find no evidence of mental illness. Daniel ended up being released in early 2001 and after his release, he became a lot more isolative. Why are you looking at me like that? What's wrong with Daniel? 
His mom had contacted authorities on multiple occasions due to concerns about her son. Because like I said, he wasn't living at home, but she was still in his life. Each time she was told that a crisis had to occur before Daniel could get the help that he really needed. Mm. She even wrote in a letter to a member of parliament and social services, does Daniel have to murder somebody before he can get the treatment Mm -hmm. he needs? Probably. And she never got a response. So at 24, Daniel's mom had allowed him back at her house. He had no job. He had no real friends. And he had no real sense of purpose in life. All bad things. Mm -hmm. Most of his days were spent playing video games and watching horror movies. He was obsessed with horror movies. Oh, great. Especially the classics from the 80s. Nightmare on Elm Street, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Halloween, Friday the 13th. The good ones. The good ones. Yeah. For sure. Michael Myers. That's Halloween. You did say that. Yeah. (laughs) What's your favorite 80s horror movie? Probably Halloween. Um, It it intrigues me. The only one that ever really scared me was Freddy Krueger, so I never watched it because he just... I used to have nightmares about Freddy Krueger. Me too. Yeah. And I watched Freddy versus Jason. It was like 20... It was 2004. So I was fairly young to be Mm -hmm. watching it anyway. Probably shouldn't have been watching it. (laughs) But I watched it. I was I I watched it and I was terrified. And ever since then, I was like, fuck Freddy Krueger. Fuck that motherfucker. But the rest of them, uh, Friday Friday the 13th were always just like sex. Yeah. We fucking, we nucking, we're going to swim in the lake, we die. I don't think I've watched any of those. Friday the 13th? Yeah. I don't think I've watched any. I'm going to say Friday the 13th. I'm going to say Jason. Mm. I don't like Michael Myers. You don't? I do. Oh, I do like Halloween. But And I've seen every single movie because my parents, basically at my house, like if you didn't want to watch what they were watching, you went to your room. Well, if I didn't want to hang out in my room, well, then I had to watch. Why did they let me watch that stuff? I don't know. Freddy Krueger. something you need to talk about with your therapist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why did they do mine that? and Hillary's <laughs> response is just going to be, I don't know. <laughs> Why did they do that? <laughs> Why? Look how you turned out. Gay. Yeah. <laughs> Swear but something, about that. something about that Jamie Lee Curtis just really. Yeah. Well. No, I no, and I was watching shit I shouldn't have been watching, but it wasn't because of my parents, it was because I was the youngest of my siblings. So. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite 80s um, horror movie is Sleepaway Camp. I have never seen it. It's corny as fuck, but I like it. So when he wasn't locked away in his room watching horror movies, he was... Get out of my room! ...out on the street doing drugs. Oh, what kind of drugs? The fun Any ones? kind. Oh. Uh-huh. Uppers, downers, so sideways. So he, so he did have a, a problem with the methamphetamines. I don't know if they do meth in England. <laughs> Probably. It's That's kind of a redneck I drug. I think of LSD mm, when I think of England. Methamphetamines. What you got going on that no, methamphetamines? We're cooking some meth. Okay, so what? Woods. So what do the proper people in the UK? I didn't say it was proper. You well, I'll get neck. to it. Okay. God oh, damn. Damn. Tell the story. Go ahead, Hillary. Thank you, Marisa. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck yourself. September 11, two thousand four. Daniel went to London to get some drugs for the weekend. He then ended up at a rave <laughs> where he continued to do multiple drugs, including. Are you ready, Taylor? Do you want to hear it now? No, (laughs) not anymore. (laughs) All right, I'll skip it. He did speed, cocaine, ecstasy, and ketamine. He's in love with the cocoa. Ketamine. How the hell are you going to get that to horses? I don't know. Do you want to go to sleep or do you want to be awake for the rest of your life? Right. Because I'm confused by the drugs you're taking. He got them from Dr. Schneeberger. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever been to a rave? Never. Yes. No. Oh, well, oh, fucking what? <laughs> yeah, I went to a rave. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. And I forgot the Rob Zombie experience. Oh. Do I tell the Rob It probably would have been well with it the last one. I it's loved relevant. Rob Zombie. Me too. Yes. That's it's relevant to raves. Okay. It's relevant to the ecstasy. So I went to Rockville. <laughs> 
Okay. Which that was sounds set. lame. It actually wasn't. Rob Zombie, Judas Priest, uh, Bring Me the Horizon. Like, Ugh. there's like a long list. Shine Down. There's a long list of people there. Um, I like rock, mm-hmm. but I'm not like, Ugh. like, okay. My friend who I was with, he's obsessed with it, wanted to go, wanted me to go. I said, okay. Drive to Jacksonville. Again, Taylor has a little bit of a past. I'm here for I it. I proceeded to. Did you do the methamphetamines? Oh, no, no. We smoked the reefer. Okay. <laughs> and again, we did that thing where we crossfade. We get there and whatever I had smoked was like potent. Okay. They sprinkled because some shit on Because all of a sudden, head. everything just goes dark. And he's got these ginormous. He being Rob Zombie. Him being Rob Zombie. Okay. He's got these ginormous screens all around. And all of a sudden, it's like. Da, 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 whatever. A minute. Yep. We've got anime, demons, devils, all these things coming out on these huge screens and my ass is like holy fuck <laughs> oh my god it's so real and i'm just like freak i mean my friend said that my eyes were like saucers he was like are you okay and then rob and comes out Dang. yeah and then he comes out and he goes and i'm like I'm in hell. (laughs) Like, I was stupid. So he did all these drugs the weekend. And by Monday, he was running down the streets naked. (laughs) We're going streaking! His stepdad, Steven, was fucking driving to work. Sees Daniel (laughs) fucking run by. And he's like, what the fuck? God damn it, Daniel! (laughs) Steven whips the fucking Mini Cooper around. (laughs) Starts driving after Daniel. But Daniel's fucking quick because he doesn't have clothes on. You know, you're faster when you're naked. Right. So he's bobbing and weaving and Steven just loses track of him. So he calls Daniel's mom, Leslie, and he's like, your son is doing this. And she said, okay, we'll just go home, wait for him. I'm sure she left work and was on her way home. So when Steven got home, Daniel was there. Just fucking standing there. And Steven's like, hey, Daniel. And when he responded, he would just be talking in like a very, a growling voice. Oh, is he still naked? Probably. So Daniel, Steven, put your deck away. <laughs> Steven called the police and said, hey, Daniel, we think suffers from paranoid schizophrenia. Because remember, mm. he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, but the doctors at that institution he went right. to said, no, he's just fucking around. But Steven said, <laughs> he's just fucking bored. Steven said, hey, he's, we think he suffers from a mental illness. He's not taking medication. And then Daniel started punching himself and making threats to harm himself. So Steven's begging the police for help. Mm-hmm. They never come. So oh. I'm guessing Steven was able to handle the situation on his own. Thank God. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesday, Daniel spent the entire day in his room, probably coming down off all those fucking drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also wrote in his diary about his, Dear diary. his plan to <laughs> become there, a notorious serial killer. So Wednesday, September 15th, Daniel gets a knife from the kitchen, leaves his house and gets on a train to Portsmouth. Once in Portsmouth, he gets off the train. He sees an elderly couple just walking by, walking their dog on a nearby path. And Daniel suddenly runs up to 61-year-old Peter King and his wife Janice. And he pulls out the knife and begins yelling that he's going to kill them as he stabs at their faces. Good God, their faces? Luckily, Peter was able to fight him off. He sustained some injuries, but nothing life-threatening. And then Daniel ran away. Daniel went back to the train station and he got on another train. He got off at Worthing and he goes to a hardware store and steals a bigger knife because the other one didn't work Mm -hmm. because it was just a little kitchen knife. So he steals a bigger knife before heading east to the Southwick area. And I guess at some point he just stopped and was looking through his backpack and he had a hockey mask. Oh. And he thought, this seems like a good idea. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know what? 
Check me out. <laughs> and he put it on just like Jason Voorhees. So he's off the train or he's walking with his mask on. 73 year old Marie Harding is walking along a footpath. She had gone out to do a currency exchange to get some money for her upcoming trip with her husband to Australia. So this is a cool lady. She's 73. Yeah. going on a trip to Australia with her husband. That's how I want to be when I'm 73. Mm-hmm. But Daniel approached her from behind and began stabbing her repeatedly before cutting her throat and running off with some of her money. He got on a train and went back to his mom's house. And of course, in that time, police had started investigating Marie's murder. So the next day, Daniel gets on a train to London and then he goes on another drug and alcohol bender throughout the day and into the night. Early the next morning of September 17th, he takes a night bus from London to Tottenham where he arrives around dawn. Daniel spots 46-year-old Kevin Malloy, who was a pub landlord, walking home for the night. You know, he owns a pub. They were Mm -hmm. open late. Sure. He just closed, so going home. Daniel walked up behind the man, began stabbing him with the knife that he stole from the department store the day before. And when, when Kevin tried to fight back, Daniel stabbed him in the chest and neck. Which killed him. Jeez. No no rhyme or reason. Less than two hours later in nearby Hornsby, Daniel goes into a random house. He takes a knife from their kitchen and begins to threaten 59-year-old Kumis Constantino. Kumis was stabbed many times before his wife walked back into the room and began screaming, which luckily scared Daniel off. And he survived the attack, obviously with injuries. Wow. But he survived. Less than 15 minutes later in Highgate, which is North London, Daniel starts going to houses and just starts ringing doorbells. Like, runs to this house, rings the doorbell, next house Mm -hmm. rings, and it's like 8 a.m. Okay. One couple, Derek and Jean Robinson, unfortunately opened their door. Derek was a pediatrician, and Jean was a Christian aid worker. Daniel pushed into the house and began attacking Derek. Jean ran up and tried to help her husband, but sadly, they were both killed. Wow. Daniel was covered in blood, so he decides to take a shower at the Robinson house. What he didn't know was that the Robinsons had hired a decorator to do some work on their home that day. It's probably why they opened the door. Oh, they're expecting somebody, yeah. yeah. The man gets there, the decorator, and half-naked, blood-stained Daniel bolts out of the house and runs down the road. That guy, of course, Mm -hmm. alerts the police. Sure. It wasn't long before he was caught at the Tottenham Court Road Underground Station. And in time, they connected him to the other murders that occurred during his spree. And I believe they he left that mask in the little town where he killed Marie. So they ended up finding that later. After the murders, his mom, Leslie, said that she knew something bad was going to happen. But every time she tried to get help, she was brushed off or turned down. Mm-hmm. When it was time for his first court appearance, everybody was waiting in the court. Daniel didn't show up. Ah, shit. No, instead, they actually gathered up everybody in the court and went down to the cells inside the court because it had been determined that it, they felt Daniel was too dangerous to be taken out. Holy shit. So everybody I mean, had to go downstairs. Wow. Homeboy's out there. Yeah, well, sure. He, they couldn't put him on trial (laughs) until he had a psychiatric assessment. So he went to the infamous maximum security Broadmoor Hospital, super notorious mental hospital. That's where all of the UK's biggest Mm -hmm. like serial killers. That's where they go. Okay. So while there, Daniel tried to kill himself by biting the arteries in his arm. (laughs) Okay. And one doctor said he had never seen anybody bite themselves with so much ferocity. Wow. And like in such a desperate attempt in their life. Oh God. So like a chicken wing. I don't know. (laughs) Like a chicken wing. You know, I just (laughs) 18 months later the bone in February of 2006, his trial began in London. He pleaded not guilty to murder 
but guilty to manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility. His defense said that he was a paranoid schizophrenic and at the time of the attacks was so mentally ill, his criminal responsibility should be lessened. The trial only lasted a few days, but in less than an hour, the jury decided that Daniel was guilty of just murder. Mm -hmm. He was sentenced to six life sentences with no chance of ever being free. His diary entries, which were read during the trial, were pretty damning. It came out that Daniel was inspired to kill by some of his favorite horror movie characters, most notably Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. He had worn the Jason mask when he killed Marie Harding, but he wrote how he felt more connected to Freddy Krueger and would sometimes tape knives to his fingers and pretend to be him. Hmm. How do you feel connected to Freddy Krueger? Mm, interesting. Freddy Krueger. So do, do we feel bad for the guy or? It's I, a tough one. Yeah. But he was sent back to Broadmoor. And on August 9th, 2007, Daniel killed himself in his room by using a broken CD case to slit his arteries. Hmm. He was 27 years old. Damn. In 2003, a year before the murders, Daniel himself wrote a letter that said that he needed help and was trying to cope with life, but was unable to succeed in doing so. In the letter, Daniel wrote... I really need to go to a hospital voluntarily and receive treatment under the care of doctors before my mental state gets worse. Please, please help me. This is very urgent. I would really appreciate if you would help me improve as I'm in a desperate situation. And despite his doctor making an appointment with him, Daniel was never admitted to a hospital. Okay. I kind of feel bad because it does sound like he's genuinely mentally ill. Yeah. Because, I mean, yes, well, he killed all to these be... people, but he's not. Right. Well, and let us first and foremost say that people with schizophrenia are generally, they're not dangerous. They right. are more at risk of being harmed by others and more at risk of harming themselves right. than they are of harming people. Correct. Mm -hmm. But he did all these drugs. Right. Which doesn't help. No. Because they're hallucinogens. Mm -hmm. But it seems like, I mean, you have to be, if, in order for you to identify with, you know, basically a, a made up monster in a movie, you have to be mentally ill. Like, well, and it's that? not like this was a spur. Like he right. had shown signs of mental illness. Right. Since Throughout his life. early teenage years. And nobody which is when people him. have their first psychotic breaks. Right. So. And his mom asked for help time and time again. Right. And, and he, he, never he asked for help. That's the saddest part to me. Yeah. That he was clearly asking for help. That's terrible. So I do feel bad for him. I feel yeah. bad for him and the people that were, mm -hmm. you know, murdered. That's terrible. Because he Oof. was probably not a bad person. Well, and it said too in the um, documentaries I watched that when he would go to Spain and be with his dad, he was a lot better because he didn't have access to all his drug dealers. Oh, uh, of course. And while, of course, he was still mentally ill, he mm -hmm. did much better when he was there because he didn't have his plugs. Yeah. Basically. So again, like I said, you can be mentally ill, and but you know, you add all those drugs and that changes your brain chemistry even more and you just... Yeah. Not good. Damn. Yeah, it's yeah. really sad. That is sad. Like you said, sad for everybody involved, the victims. And him. Yeah. And his and parents. His parents, yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. His mom did all she could do. Right. And I know she probably recognizes that, but at the same time. Yeah. Hmm. She Now she doesn't have a son because nobody would help. It's kind of like the same with like um, Jeffrey Dahmer and his, his dad. I think that he tried. Yeah. In his own ways to help him the best way that he thought that he could. And then, oh. That's a rough one. We definitely need better. And not just the UK. Everywhere. I mean, yeah. yeah. America is just as not good when it comes to helping people receive the mental health care that they need. Yep. So it's pushed aside a lot. It's very Speaking sad. I could get on a soapbox about it. We oh, all we could. Know. Yeah, this one was sad. Not much yeah. to make fun of or poke fun no, of. It's no, it's not. That is really sad. But again, people with mental illness are not dangerous. No, not to other people. No. Yeah. Let's fight, break the stigma. There you go. Thanks for listening to us. We do our big full episodes every Tuesday. And then on Thursdays, if we can, and if we have the content, we do little mini 
slash bonus episodes. And I enjoy both. We, we enjoy really having do. you. <laughs> so keep listening. Check us out on Instagram at lady underscore you're scaring us. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Peace. Bye.